Welcome back to Mood AF, ladies and gentlemen. It's your girl, Nikita. Thank you for joining me today. If you are new, welcome. Hi, here at Mood AF. We are all tea, all shade, and all offense. So if you are offended easily, please, 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 please leave. I'm sorry. Um, so first of all, welcome to, welcome back to Live at the Crib. Cause you know, we live at the crib. Hashtag, thank you pandemic. Appreciate you, sis. Wish you'd go away so I could go back to like an actual studio, but neither here nor there. So as you can see today, my guest is somebody that like I met on TikTok, which like, no, I'm not active on the platform. My TikTok is like very much quiet. Like I only use it for the likes and the comments. I don't post content. I'm sorry, but like, I just feel not like worth it. it's not worth it. I'm too old to be shaking my ass on an ass. <laughs> and I'm only 26, but I feel like I'm too old to be shaking my ass on an app. Like, I feel like my friends are going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are you going through? <laughs> stop. Her name is Annie. So Annie, welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really oh my God. No. for the past week. Thank you for coming on the show because I messaged you and I was like, I saw your TikTok about affordable housing and I hate everybody. So yes, I saw Annie's TikTok um, about the affordable housing situation in New York. For those of you who don't know, affordable housing in New York City is very much not affordable, um, which we will get into. But Annie did a series of TikToks about her specific living situation and I resonated with them very deeply because they reminded me of when I first moved back to New York um, after living in Texas. And also I have friends that are in similar situations. So I really wanted to touch base on this, especially as a native New Yorker, considering my audience is composed of people who live in Europe. So shout outs to y'all. I'm hoping 2021 will be my year that I make it around the, the places that actually listen to me and I touch base with some of you guys contingent upon this pandemic. Um, half of my audience is from Texas. You guys already know and love me. And the rest of my audience is here in New York City. So I'm excited to give people an actual real reality dose. Cause I feel like the POVs that they see on TikTok are very much like they're romanticizing New York. And this is my life in New York City. Yeah. Like, girl, you live in, first of all, you live in Midtown. No real New Yorkers moving to Midtown because we hate Midtown. Like, and it's like, it's like, th those are like, that was like uh, in the first video that I posted on my living situation, I did say like, this is just one of the perspectives because everyone was arguing about what the real New York City was to them. And I was just like, this is just one of the other ones that is really right. overlooked and it's the low income resident in New York City. Because people, people move here and they think that they're going to have the experience as everyone else, like on TikTok, that really nice one where you have high rise apartments and you have a nice view. But that's not the reality because not even the people that live here and grew up here have that reality. Which is all most of us don't. Most of us, yeah. like, if your parents were able to buy a home, most of us still live in the same home that we, not most, but some of us still live in the, the same home that we grew up in. Some of us moved apartment buildings. Some people are actually lucky enough to like, this sounds crazy, but like I had a girlfriend who the section eight apartment stayed within her family. And then yeah. it was just- Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Those are like the really lucky situations. Those are the really lucky situations. You can't even get on section eight. And now you can't even get, now section eight, you can't, 
apply for it anymore. There's like a housing voucher, but that you have to like be in the shelter system to actually qualify yeah. for it. Or um, like a DV, a domestic violence situation. Yeah. So that doesn't like section eight is virtually like non-existent uh people somebody argued that like oh you can still do it but not really people who applied i think it was 2009 they stopped taking applications people who applied before 2009 they still have their applications in the system a lot of people do and they still haven't been accepted no then, way yeah and then like they they like get accepted like later on down the road and then a lot of people have been telling me like their section eight apartments are like in jeopardy because a lot of the landlords are trying to do away with section eight and replace them because they want to continue gentrifying the neighborhoods. So they want to replace them with people who can pay higher rent prices. Cause why would you want somebody who's paying like a thousand two hundred getting government, like part of that's coming from the government. Right. And instead of like you could into somebody that's like making $3,000 or I mean, who's paying $3,000, like you're going to choose the person who can pay $3,000 cause they're more money for you. Right, but which I hate when the landlords do that because technically being a landlord should not be your only source of income. That should just be passive income to you. You should not have your whole entire life based off it's your job. Of, like it's an investment. People people can make like people can live off of investments, but if that's your one building and you're charging everybody three thousand dollars for it because you want to be a millionaire, that's not how that's not how it should work. I mean, some of these landlords are like real shit bags. If we're being completely oh honest. yeah, they're yeah. like oh I, I can't. Do you want to jump into it right away, Wait, honey? This is this is your show here at Mood AF. Whenever we have guests, we like our guests to just. This is your show. Today is all about you. That you guide this however you'd like. I'm just here to be your little moderator and jump. I love in. validation. Oh um, yes, girl. Please go. All let's go my shit bag landlord because. The TikTok that I posted is where I live now, and it's a bedroom in a shared apartment with people that my mom knew from like, the, like the second that she got to New York City. So these are old family friends. Is the situation the most comfortable situation in the world? Obviously not. I share a room with my mother. Like any situation that you have to share something with somebody, is very exhausting. And people took that. People took me saying that that like, oh, it's been difficult like beyond just physical space. People took me saying that as like me complaining. Or like me posting that video is me complaining, but I was just simply like, hey, this is a new perspective. It's not just like what you guys are seeing. Like, let's stop thinking that New York City is like amazing. I live here because I grew up here. I'm gonna go into that later. Um, let me let me go. Let me go into the shit. Hey, do whatever you want, honey. This the floor is yours. So before we lived in this bedroom, we did have our own one bedroom apartment, and we had we had different living situations before then too. We did live in a bedroom in an apartment that we shared with my brother's father. Um, but my mother and him weren't together. They like they were just really close friends. So he gave us a space to live when we had to move out, out of my childhood home because of issues with family. And when we finally got our own apartment after living with my brother's dad, it was a one bedroom apartment. It was right by Sunset. I live in Sunset Park. I was born and raised in Sunset Park. Oh, it was right by the park. It was like the nicest apartment. Um, but I, I do look back and I wish that I had been more grateful, but as a kid, like all you want is your own space growing up at like, I was uh, 12. So all I could want was my own space. And I didn't have that. So like, I was still complaining at that age, but now I look back and I'm like, I wish I had that now. Um, the landlord at a certain point, it was like two years in, my mom had um, quit her job because she almost got murdered. Um, <laughs> 
one day she was working a case. She was a, she's a home help. She was a home help aide and she was working a case. And the lady that the lady of the husband that my mother was taking care of, the lady of the husband, the lady who, <laughs> like, I know you, I know what you meant. Um, the lady that like, uh, actually my mom kind of took care of her too, because they were both like drug addicts. Cause he had the, my mom was taking care of the husband, but, uh, the wife and him were taking the drugs that he was given for like recreational purposes. Hmm. So they were like, they were really like, like jittery all of the time and very paranoid. And at one point my mom was like bent over one day working on something and she was cleaning and she turned around and the woman was behind her with a knife in her hand ready to stab her and uh, my mom packed up all her stuff ran out of there ran the five blocks to the apartment I've never seen my mom so scared my mom grew up in Dominican Republic my mom came to New York City by herself in the 70s so she's seen and lived through it all right I've never seen her that scared in my life so I got scared and I was like oh my god what's going on and she told me so she quit that job because they had never given her a good case. Like a lot of people who have parents who work like in the home health, home health. Well, home. the cases are fucking garbage. Okay. Well, like, Oh, it's, it's very, it's a very difficult job. And before that, yeah. my mom had a situation where like the daughter of the woman my mother was taking care of became like obsessed with her. And she wanted us to move into her basement because she wanted my mom to be like a living nurse. So like, my mom has never had a good situation when it comes to that job. So she quit that job and the woman had like the woman that was trying to kill her kept like harassing her. So she really had to like cut all communication off with that like, agency so that the woman like would just leave us alone. Mm-hmm. And my mom um, also got sick during that time. She had previously had an infection. And then like this time around, she had to get her gallbladder removed and then she got a hernia. So she had to get a surgery. So she was out of work for some part some time and she wasn't able to pay rent. A lot of people think that like, oh, well, there's like unemployment. Why don't you just do that? Well, she quit, so she can't do that. So and there are a lot of services. There were more services available than there, than there are now, but people don't understand that like we're Latino, like my mom immigrated here. And even though she's been here for quite a long time, there are still a lot of things that we don't know about mm-hmm. that we don't have access to or that we may have access to, but just we don't know how to go about getting it. So she could have gone to like housing court and tried to find some help, but she didn't really know what to do. She wasn't paying rent, but she only missed like two to three months of rent. But the landlord started sending us letters harassing us and saying that he was going to get the U.S. Marshals to come into the apartment and take all our stuff. He was uh, going to evict us and just like Constantly. First of all, had you guys been living, sorry to cut you off, but had you guys been living there longer than 90 days? Because technically yeah. people always forget that like, technically as a New York City resident, you have something called squatter's rights. So while yeah. yes, all of these mass evictions are going on, technically you cannot be evicted because yeah. if you've been lo- living in a space longer than 90 days, then you're, you're a squatter. So yeah. like they would literally have to take you to court in order to evict you and then the landlord would have to take you back to court you have 90 days to find some place to live the landlord will have to take you back to court um and the process keeps going so i only know that a lot of people don't know so like people get scared like my mom was terrified she was like oh my god like something about latinos is that and I feel like this is a, like not for everybody. I'm not going to embody the whole Latino culture, but specifically for people like that I know in my family, in the Dominican culture, 
a lot of immigrants have this like feeling of being a visitor in this country. So they won't feel as like, as ready to take on certain like things like that. Cause like they, they'll, they'll just be afraid. Like they'll be like, oh my God, I'm gonna get kicked out. Like they're gonna like, my mom is like horrified of the government. Like she's terrified of the government. Like my whole family, like they, they're very careful in everything they do because they don't wanna get in trouble with the government. So my mom was like, the second she read U.S. Marshals, she was like, oh my God. So she starts freaking out. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm blissfully unaware of everything in life because I'm a 13 year old, like in middle school, 13, 12, 12 year old in middle school, having the time of my life. So I didn't know what was happening. No, right. I, I was already in fresh, a freshman in high school, but I was going through my own little angsty phase. You were a freshman at 12? At 13. No, I was 13. I was 13. 13. Is that the age? Because I can't even. I'm so, I turned. I turned fourteen. I'm so ancient that I don't remember what age I entered high school. I I think the age for freshman year is fourteen. I entered high school. I always enter school younger than the actual age you're supposed to be at that grade. So. Oh, okay. So you were one yeah. of the brilliant kids. Oh. No, no, no. I'm st- no. The second that school starts, I'm fourteen. Then I'm fourteen right you're a Virgo okay so yeah so my birthday is like September 6th so it's like right there it's like right at the start of the school year his birthday is six days after yours he's September 12th I love that I love the Virgos um but um so I was going through my own little thing I didn't know what's happening and like I'm seeing my mom get stressed and like more and more stressed each day but I don't really know what's happening and she's like giving me these documents to read but I'm like 14 the, I have the, no idea what's happening. The translation thing. Translation. I oh, why am I pulling this staple? I don't know how to translate to her. I don't know what these documents say, even in English, because they were like court documents. Like right. I don't know what any of it meant. Right. Um, and it just the papers looked weird too. So I was like, I don't know what this is, but it doesn't like it looked like photocopies. So I was like, I don't know what this is. Um, so she gets help. I don't know what she did, but we were able to stay. Right. And that was after months of harassment on his part. Cause like, that was like after one month of my mom not paying rent, he started harassing us and she didn't pay rent for like two months. So it was like just harassment, continue, consistent harassment from him. And finally she got help. We were able to stay. And something that I learned recently is that like they offered something, they offered her something not an apartment, not anything else. It was still like, you get to stay and you get this. I'm not going to specify it because people were like, oh, well, why didn't you take it? We didn't stay there because that was months of harassment. Had my mom gotten into a situation like that again, it would have been the same situation. And we also had a bed bug infestation in the whole building. And people were like, I guess people were afraid to put their number and name down in the list downstairs for like an extermination because you don't want people to think that you're the reason of why the whole building has bed bugs yes and it was like the whole building was infested and no one put their name down on the list so at that point as a landlord you're just like you have to send the exterminator because you know that it's an issue right but he didn't do anything um and i think it was only for specific units that like he could send the exterminator like that was a that was like um the list because I know that for like um section eight like a lot of places have like a lit or section eight or like housing apartments they'll have like a list so I didn't I don't know if it was for the whole building yeah they'll have like the the list of apartments yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I don't know if it was for the whole building but like 
we had a previous situation in the building that we lived with with my brother's father and the landlord literally just called an exterminator they could knock down every single door and they exterminated everybody's house and that didn't happen here yeah and that didn't happen here and like again we my mother didn't know like how to go about the situation like she could have called 311 she could have put like she could have um had them like send code of violations to him and stuff like that but as a latino immigrant even like she's a citizen and everything you don't really know this you don't really know how to have access to this and you are afraid to actually go and look for this or like actually partake in this like a lot of the time they'll be afraid to even call 311 if it's like an actual complaint that they need to like make but they won't do it so she like I was at one point like we had to throw out the bed and everything because the bed books had gotten so bad and I was sleeping on the couch she was sleeping on the air mattress next to me because I didn't want her to like have to squish I'm, I'm smaller so I can just take the little couch right so I looked over at her and I was crying and I was like mommy I want to leave because at that point it was like it was just so much trauma that we had gone through already and for them to like be harassing us for so long and for me to see how my mom was suffering with that by herself because I can't really help her right um we she made the decision she was like okay I'm gonna get us out of here and we were looking well she was looking and she knew of two friends or yeah, because it's a couple. So she knows two friends who were renting a room in their apartment. And like I said, she's known them for like more than 35 years. So she reached out to them and she went to go see the, the room. And that's where we're, we are now. It wasn't supposed to be a permanent situation. And like I said, in one of my videos, like what turned into like a temporary living situation turned into a long-term living situation because the housing crisis in New York City took a dramatic turn. Like we didn't know that in one year, it was gonna be impossible for anyone who's low income to get an apartment. Cause when we got that one bedroom apartment, my mom didn't have to like do an income check or anything like that. Like they, I think she like get them, she gave them her credit score and she showed them pay stubs to like show proof of in, like a uh, proof of employment, but an income requirement that wasn't heard of. Right. So everything changed in like a year. And we, we didn't know that like, it was gonna be like that, but what we did find out after we moved out of that one bedroom apartment was that the landlord had actually been sending us falsified court documents. And we found that out both because the people that my mom, because my mom did go to housing court. Housing court is a whole other mess that I will talk about. Girl, housing court is a whole fucking shit show by a damn self. They're under, like it's underfunded. Like sometimes I was speaking to somebody about this and like sometimes lawyers will literally be talking to clients like outside in the halls because there's no space for them like that's how you determine a case like just standing with them in a hall like and then sometimes like people that deserve one-shot deals don't even get them like it's it's just it's a mess like there's 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 no like there's no strategy. There's just like, okay, well you get this. And then like, they let you go and you don't really get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found out that it was falsified court documents, which had my, like, if they knew that they should have like told my mom, like, Hey, you can sue him. Cause this is illegal, mm-hmm. but no one really said that to her. So we kind of just didn't, we kind of just found that out on our own because Univision, the Spanish news channel, they packed the story (laughs) of a woman who had a similar situation. Her landlord was sending her documents and she found out that they were fake 
And the whole reason that the landlord was doing this was because he wanted to push her out to replace her with a higher income resident so that they could pay a higher rent price. So that's, that's my landlord. That was my landlord. And I hope to God he doesn't have any property, but he probably does. And they're probably all full of like affluent white people that were able to actually rent those apartments. It's, it's very difficult for people to like keep low income families to like stick around in their apartments because they eventually do get pushed out just like that. Um, but yeah, so that was my landlord situation. And I, it pushed me into the situation that I'm in now. And I half regret half, I'm glad that I put the video out there, but people see my living situation now. I've gotten people caught like literally just the other day, I turned off comments in that video for a reason. And literally just the other day, I had somebody comment saying like, they'll go to another video and be like, well, your living situation is right? yeah. um, It's an abominable situation. Like, why don't you just go somewhere else? And people seem to think that New Yorkers have this like entitled like feeling about the city and like, oh, the city's amazing. Like I can't go anywhere. There's nothing anywhere for me. A lot of the places people were telling me to go to, somebody told me to go to California. The same thing is happening in California. Girl, moving from New York to California is basically moving to another New York City. Like I think people just don't understand that the difference between California and New York is the, the pace of life in California is much slower, yeah. but you need a car for that. Here we have the MTA, the MTA, with the exception of COVID, because between 1 a.m. 1 and 5 a.m. they clean the trains. There's just but so many things people don't take. There's so the much people, they don't. Like, I feel like if you don't, I, speaking from, as another native, it, it's just kind of like, why do people think that we could just up and leave is literally beyond me. For some people, like New York City is all they know. While um, I can heavily relate to your living situation now because a lot of people like don't know all of my story. They think that, oh, well, you know, Nikita lived in Texas for like a couple years, whatever, whatever, but like people don't get it. Like I lived a double life. So it was like living in Texas for six years and living in this massive ass house but like, as my therapist likes to put it, we were house broke, meaning like, all right. You have a house, you have a nice you have house, house, but you're still but broke. Like, but you're still broke. So like to preface it, I guess I should have prefaced this, but um, for those of you who don't know, um, yes, I did live in Texas for six years. I lived in a small little suburban town where like everybody knows everybody. Well, not really everybody knows everybody, but like, everybody's parents went to the same local high school. Like you go to a big Texas school, you get married, you move back to the community and the circle of life, it just keeps going on and on. So me being this transplant from New York city, my parents moved me there because they wanted to teach me what life was like outside of the city because my mom ended up, um, the neighborhood that we grew up in, uh, right before we moved, that whole strip of neighborhood, that whole like maybe 10, 15, 20 blocks, like my family lived on at least like three, four, every third or fourth block. I had an aunt, I had a cousin, I had an uncle, I had everybody. Like my mother's family is very large. So we lived on 39th and Avenue D. Then we moved to 42nd 
and Avenue D, between D and Albany. My uncle owned the laundromat on the corner. So yeah, we're doing laundry with the uncle. Then you walk further down the block and turn the corner, you walk further down the block. My uncle who owns the laundromat is married to my mother's sister. And like they had their own house. You walk about two, three blocks further down. My uncle who was known as in the neighborhood, like very well respected. If you are related to him, it's an automatic protection thing. Like my sister and I were known as the girls, like you cannot talk to them. You cannot touch them. Those are his nieces. Don't even breathe in their direction. Then you go down some more and it's my mother's sister. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like I literally could not escape my family growing up because they were all everywhere. So if I was somewhere that I wasn't supposed to be at, <laughs> my mother knew oh anything. My God, yeah. Anyway, my mother knew anything. I was anything. the first one day and like, I would go there every day after middle school and somehow somebody saw me and they reported to my father. Like, how do you know? Who, who was I'm it? Like, or like, if you lied about it, it was like, I know. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know who's watching me? Like literally it was crazy. So I lived in this apartment um, above a, uh, a bodega, but the bodega was owned by an op. So like the op was mad cool. Like, I, what? Yo, go downstairs. Mom, I'm hungry, but I don't want the rice and peas for like the fifth day in a row. So what am I going to eat? And she'll be like, go downstairs, ask Mohammed to make you a sandwich and tell him that I'll pay for it when I get home. <laughs> so my parents were cool with our landlord. Um, he was our landlord through like the New York City blackout, the one that like we can remember. Oh. I took it upon myself at that young, like I was asking so many questions. So I was like, what's going on? And then um, 2006, my parents, actually no 2005 later on that year I had started sixth grade and I was going to school in Sheepshead Bay and again didn't really realize how far Sheepshead Bay was from East Flatbush but like I was going to school and um I remember there was like a week where like my parents pulled me out of school and I couldn't understand why but um we drove 32 hours to right. Did you like with the U-Haul truck or just like no no my pops like this was like before the move so like this was like preliminary movements so this was we are going to buy the house but you don't know that we're going to buy oh my house. God, I hate you think you're going that. on vacation my mom moved us out of my childhood home you she just went to the garbage bags and was like we're going so like we're driving, I'm like, damn, I'm out of school for a week. I ain't got shit to do. It's fucking lit. Like, no. <laughs> it's we're like around, about to change. Right. We're driving around all these subdivisions. We're looking at all these model homes. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, like, are y'all trying to buy a summer home? Buy that shit in the summer. Why am I here? And they found a home and it was actually um a short sale so like the house was already in the process of being built like the, the foundation and everything was up it was just like I guess the contract had fell through like the people that were supposed to buy my house didn't buy my house okay. and my parents bought it on a short sale and I remember I don't know what those envelopes are called they're not manila envelopes but they're the envelopes that have like the string in the back that yeah 
loop around. I remember my dad pulling one of those out and it was like wads of banded up 20s. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Am I bugging? And I see my mom's best friend in the corner start crying and she hugs me. And I'm like, still very much confused. And I look at my mom and she's like, congratulations, Nick. You're getting the house you always wanted. And I was like, what the fuck? Did not like understand anything. So we get out of like the model home that we were signing all the paperwork in and we go outside to like what would then be my house with a sold sign in front of it. And they like, Nick, take a picture in front of the sold sign. And I'm like, that's when it clicked in my head. Like, holy fuck, bro. You're about to move 2000 miles. Like from there to here, you're about to just skedaddle. That was in October, February 1st, 2006. I moved to Texas. No, February 28th, February 28th. I moved to Texas and I started school like two days later and my house what grade were you in done I was in the sixth grade so like I didn't even get to finish that year I like literally moved in the middle of the school year so um my house wasn't even finished yet they were like in the process of building like I think by the time we bought the house like the stairs were starting to be built so like I didn't move into my house until April we lived in my mom's best friend's house and going to school was the most traumatic shit for me. And now imagine being in the sixth grade, 11 years old, experiencing the racism, but not understanding it. Because when you grew up, you grew up in such a melting of a melting pot of a culture. You do, grew up in such a diverse culture that like you went to school with, yeah, I went to school with Hispanic kids, but I didn't realize that we really had like a cultural difference until like, obviously I got older. But um, it was just very much a culture shock to me. So like my mom sat me down and she was like, listen, don't give them a reason to say anything about you. Don't even give them a reason to say that anything negative about you being from New York. And that was when I like learned code switching. Like I learned, I already knew what it was, but it was like, now I had to age too. Right, you have to put it into action. So when I went to school, Um, I remember sitting at the lunch table, being the new girl. So fun fact, when I grew up, growing up, I was like, really like the duff. Like I was the fat, ugly friend. Like people don't believe me. And I'm like, "Uh child, don't, don't let all this. I'm going to see baby pictures. I'm going to see kitty pictures. I will send you some pictures and you will literally shoot yourself. You will literally be like, Nikita, you are so cute. And me, mom, be like, Annie, girl, those were the hardest. <laughs> like, Annie, girl, girl, those were my years that I was like, damn, son, I ain't never gonna get no man. Nobody gonna. It's okay. Oh. We were babies. It, it, it was always like that. It was always, it was gonna always like, like that. that. Not look at um, us. <laughs> right. So, um, underneath all of this, I had like a beauty mole on my forehead, and my parents would not let me cut bangs for the longest while. So it was like my biggest insecurity and everybody would make fun of it. And I would just go home and cry. And then I was already fat. So I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why is my life going to shambles? I'm only 11. Spent my first birthday in Texas, my 12th birthday. Hated it. Miserable. 
hated my life. Couldn't wait to come back to New York. So I had a, made a pact with my parents. Like I was like, please, like the summertime, like let me come home to the city and like be immersed in my culture and my people and like shit that makes sense. Like I'm used to taking buses and trains to go places. Like, why do I need a car for everything? I didn't realize how much of like a difference it would be living in the suburbs. But then the fucked up part is my mom didn't drive. So like- You guys have to depend on your dad for that. Oh girl, you're giving my father a little too much credit. Um, My father never moved. Wait. So, I love that. I love that. I never went to Texas? No, honey. Um, my man bought the crib, moved the family into the crib, and like told my mom, give me six months and I'll be with you and Nick. Six months turned into six years. My father never moved. My father would come see us a few times a month, maybe once or twice on a great month, three times. And then at one point he just stopped coming to visit monthly. And then it became every other month. Sometimes it became like two, three months. I wouldn't see my dad, but then I was still obligated to call the nigga every day when I came home from school, which made no sense. Cause it's like, mom, you see I'm home. Why am I calling him to tell him I'm home? The man does not live here. He's not going to know if I was home anyway. I could lie and tell him I'm home and I'm not. So there was that. Um, so who's paying for all of like the monthly expenses for the new house? I, I, of course I live in New York city. I know very much about buying a house. So, so I imagine it's expensive to so both so buy a house to pay for mortgages. And then all of the included monthly expenses that come into that, that people have not been considering when they tell me to go to Iowa and buy a house. So, so you ready for this? I'm going to break it all down for you. My parents bought this house for $220,000. Remember, it's a short sale. So first of all, that was in 2006. The fact that my parents could have afforded a $220,000 house was fucking to me. I thought we hit the lotto. Like I thought we were rich as fuck. Cause I was like, yo, you just bought a house for three, that much? Two, two, zero. Whoa, we bought yeah, a house. Like buying a house. You're like, oh, we're middle, we're middle, upper class. I'm like, like, oh, we rich bitch. Oh, shit. Oh, you guys are so low income. <laughs> no. Got humbled very quickly. I'm saying, I'm like, oh, we live it. We balling out of control. Uh, shut that down. Um, When I got our, the first time I actually looked at like our bills, like, first of all, the water bill was so oh, fucking high that I was like, mom, we don't even drink this water. You know, <laughs> New York City tap water, like people don't understand, yo, New York City tap water tastes good. You can drink that shit and that shit tastes good. In New York City, I don't feel like you need a Brita. Like, I really don't think it's necessary, but I have one anyway, for those of you that want to be like, ew, Nikita, like I have a Brita, shut up, relax. Um, but the tap water is fine. New York, uh, Texas tap water tastes like, Wow. You ever put a, you ever like, were you one of those kids that like might've swallowed a coin at some point in your life? My sister swallowed a quarter. Yo, yeah. that shit was, the story about that's that was fucking nice up my nose. And it, let me not, actually, that's pretty graphic. But like, you ever blood, like taste blood like taste metal coin. Yeah, it was. Mouth? That was literally that. So first of all, we had to buy bottled water. Um, then we had 
homeowners associations fees, which I think, I don't think people understand when you're a part of a community because we lived in a subdivision um, and in the subdivision, like we had no choice but to pay homeowners fees. First of all, the HOA regulates everything that you do aesthetically on the outside of your house. You cannot have specific fencing. You can't have certain Christmas decorations. If you keep Christmas decorations up after a certain time, you get fined. Um, a bunch of shit. So my parents had to pay homeowners fees. And then in the water bill breakdown, it shows you where all your property taxes are going. So we paid for the community college. And my mom was like, first of all, Nikki already made it explicitly clear. She's going back to New York for college. So like, what the fuck is this? We paid for the public schools. We paid for everything. And a lot of people don't understand like, my pops was paying all of these bills because my mom, when she worked in New York, she worked for Kings County. So she would work three to 1130. So I never saw my mom. Like if I saw my mom, like it would be because my dad was going to take her to work. So my dad would, my elementary school was down a block, like a couple blocks from my crib. So like my dad would come pick me up from school, bust a whole U-turn, drive down the block, and like go take my mom to work. So when my mom would come home, I'd be in my bed, I'd be asleep. I saw my dad often throughout my day after school because my dad was a contractor. So like if he needed to run back to Brooklyn, he would. He'd had, he had like a whole crew of workmen. So if he needed to step away, he could have. If he needed to be somewhere with me, he could have. But then like my mom ended up becoming a stay at home mom. And that was very much traumatic to her. So now me being in quarantine with no job, I see why that shit is very traumatic to a woman because it's like, bro, imagine being home every day and the only thing you can do is really just cook and clean. And then you come home to your kid who's been in school for eight hours a day and they tell you about their day, but like they're your child but you're not like emotionally there. Yeah, because it's taking a mental toll on you because then you start questioning like, okay, what's my purpose here? Exactly. So my dad paid all of the bills, but then like summer 2011, we got, it was like the middle of July, usually by like last day of school, I take my finals. I'm on a plane that night to New York. That's how real it was. I was like, I told my parents, my summers must not be spent in Texas. I remember like my last electric, the last electric bill I looked at said $750. And at this point it's July. So first of all, I woke up one day in a puddle of sweat and I was like, bro, we didn't have AC. We had central air. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did they turn off your electricity? Yo, they shut the electric off because the bill wasn't paid. I'm like, walking around mind you it's the day before we're supposed to go to new york so i'm like mom oh they were already like hey guys we're not coming back <laughs> i'm like mom what's going on like my pops paid the bill so that way they could have we could have like ac for like 12 hours i did not know that the last time because i had a little ritual like the day before I'd, the day i'd fly out to new york like i'd say bye to my room i'd be like peace out see you in two months I didn't know that the last time I would say bye to my room, my walk-in closet, my very own bathroom, all of that was going to be the last time. So 
my situation when I would come to New York on holidays and like summer and shit like that would be my dad lived his playboy lifestyle and I want to know why the fuck he thought this shit was going to work for a family but you know men why do they ever because all they have is audacity so here we are um we lived in a room and the room was occupied by the three of us my parents slept on a bed I slept on an air mattress and that was just my life for the summer I did not know that summer 2011 that would just be my life for like a hot minute I found out I was moving back to New York in like August so I want to say maybe like at least five or six weeks after I had came to New York I was permanently there and you know um my sister and mom kept taking me around to all these different high schools they like asked me if I could go to school in New York where would I go and I was just like Instead of just telling you, hey, we're going to be hey, here. Moving. No, it's let's take Nikki around to all these high schools as though she's dumb and oblivious to everything that's going on. So I'm just sitting there and I'm like, why are you taking me to all these high schools? And then I was like, I look at my mom and I'm like, yo, when are we going back? I got editor camp. Let's go. And she was like, <laughs> dead silent. My sister goes, bro, you move back. Like, you're not going nowhere. You live here now. And I was, I looked at her, I said, LOL, mom, stop playing with me when we're going back. And my mom was like, we're not. We have no house to go back to. And I said, fuck you talking about, we don't got no house to go back How to. Like, how like, I'm like, what do you mean? And then she goes, your father stopped paying the mortgage. Therefore, the house went into foreclosure. Therefore, you have no house to go back to. At 17, on the Upper West Side, had to be like 84th and like Central Park West. That's how I found out my whole life was going to be distorted and that I was going to live in a room sleeping on an air mattress my entire senior year. Literally had to lie to all my friends in Texas my entire senior year. First of all, being the new kid on the block was a pain in the last year of school. Pain in the ass. I had no choice but to go away to college. Like, I get into this debate with somebody that's very close to my heart, but like, I'm like, bro, your circumstances, like, compared to my circumstances, like, dude, at least you have like a an actual bed and like an actual room. I didn't even have that. I had an air mattress. It's very difficult for people to look past their own personal experience or the experience that they've seen like from other people. That That's why I had to go to school. Closer to theirs. People don't understand like not everyone has the same experience. Not everyone has the same access to opportunities. Not everyone has the same living situation. So, so when I saw your TikTok, I was like, holy shit. This was like my entire senior year of high school. Like I was sleeping in a room. Like me going to SUNY Canton was the out. Like that was the only way I was going to have my own bed, like my own little area, whatever may have you. Like becoming an RA was the only chance I had to have my own room. I didn't know what that was. Like I would come home on breaks from college and like go crash at my sister's, which was cool because it was like, yo, I had a copy of the debit card. I had a copy of the keys. Like I'm chilling. Like it's my sister. Hey bro, appreciate you freedom. But then it's like, bro, I'm sleeping on your couch. So there was no like setup for me. Like it was just kind of like, 
I'm never breaking even. So that's why like when I saw your TikTok, I was like, holy shit. There's literally somebody that like is living what I went through. And I have such an appreciation for it because it's so easy for people to just tell people like move out of New York. First of all, not every New Yorker knows how to drive. Start there. Start there. And let's not act like- I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying though. I have practice. I just need to take the road test. Listen, I got practice, but like, I, I need some more. But then it's like, okay, then buy a car. Insurance. With what yes. Money? What money? Congestion in New York City is like a horrible thing, which is then, I feel like people would then argue like, oh, well then get a car and go somewhere else. But then like anybody, anybody that's been saying that to me, like, everybody's like, oh, we're just trying to give you a different perspective. I've been in this situation for seven years. Do you think that I have not, everything that I can heard Googled, every situation that is possible, I've thought of. I was in high school. I wasn't gonna transfer in the middle of my, I already had transferred to another uh, high school here. So I transferred, um, freshman year, I went to one high school, sophomore year, I started a new one. And my mom, remember, remember that thing about her being unemployed? Yeah. She was unemployed for like a whole year almost. And then she finally got a job as a bus matron in 2015. So, but then she had been working as a home help aide till then. Like, you have to understand, like, she doesn't have a lot under her, like, wing. She doesn't have, like, a lot of opportunities to her because she didn't, but she went to, she started in college here. My brother told me that she was, like, one of the most, like, intelligent people in her class, but she had him. And she couldn't continue with school and take care of him because she couldn't find somebody to take care of him. Had it been now, like, a lot of professors are more open to letting you bring your child into class, but that's not an everyday thing. Right. She had to let go of that. My mom, like, she worked in a salon, very, very Dominican. <laughs> she worked in a salon. She was a home help aide, so she was working two jobs constantly. And it, it's just, like, people don't understand. Like, I wasn't going to go to a new high school. My mom wasn't going to, like, let go of her job and go somewhere else where she doesn't have any family. She doesn't have any support. Like, we can't just do that. We, we're going to be alone. Even if we do that now, like, people don't understand that in the Latino culture, we really focus on social capital, which is like lending some sort of like help, whether it be like listening to your problems, uh, offering you a place to stay, to study, offering you a place to dis, um, to like decompress. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be financial help. It's just like a network, a network of people that you can depend on to just be there for you and offer you support in different areas. And she couldn't just cut herself off like that. And then like, then the addition of family, you, people were like, oh, well, no amount of family obligations should keep you there. It's not obligation to family. It's the support that family offers. And if I go to a neighborhood or a, a county in what is usually a red state, because people were telling me to go to like these states that are red states right now, we're going to, we're going to be experience, uh, experiencing a culture shock because we're not going to have, we're going to have people that look like us, but it's not going to be the majority. Right. It's not going to be a lot of us. Um, we're going to have neighbors who probably don't want us there. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can move to the more democratic counties, but that's what's ha like the, what's happening here happens in like these cities. Yeah, I don't know why people don't think that like shit don't go down in New York city. Like, no, yes, we are very blue, which is a very big blessing because when I was watching the election results and they were like, Oh, New York, um, 
selects uh, Joe Biden, I was like, well, there's no fucking surprise. Like the whole tri-state, but I feel like the tri-state area, which for those of you who don't know is New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I feel like though the tri-state area is comprised of so many immigrants. Cause like my parents came here. And yeah, yes. So like, it's a whole different, it, it's a, it's a different thing. Like people, when I was in Texas, I was lucky enough that like my neighbor who lived to the left of us, she had a ranch style house, but she was a single woman, I think in like her thir- late thirties, early forties. And she was this redhead, like very, very Xena warrior princess. Like we liked her. Then across the street from us, the other big house was this African family, like straight from Nigeria. Like the daughter went to fucking rice. One went to rice, one went to Yale. The parents are super successful. So it was nice to see that. And then you come back to New York and it's kind of like almost humbling in a sense because it's like in New York, like the real, those of us, the real ones, it's like humbling because we're all fighting for the same shit. A lot of us, we are first generation. Our parents are immigrants. So it hits. Everybody knows what everybody's kind of going through. So exactly. like you get that support from the people around you. Exactly. Now like, imagine we're going to get that if we go anywhere else. My mom, we were staying somewhere that was like. not even getting like, that. Just like a few blocks away from family. We were, no, like a train ride away from family. And my mom felt isolated because she was like, I can't like walk and walk five blocks to like go see your godmother. Like, why would I cut her off from people like that? Like, who, who is she going to connect with in those places? Who are we going to connect with in those places? Who's going to know what we went through or what we're going through and help us and offer us that? Because it could be something as little as just having a conversation with somebody. Where are we going to find that over there? That's why I felt. And it can, be, it can be very, like, closed-minded of me to think like that. And people it's have been not. saying like, I'm dismissive and stuff like that. But I've had people that live in these states tell me the same thing. I've had friends who have the same situation as you where they've gone to these states and they've lived there and they don't have the same experience that they've had here. It's, it's not. They feel, they feel very different. They have that culture shock. They have to code switch. They just feel like- um, I know what it's like to be in these, these areas. I was the only black person, black person at a sleepover, okay? Like the daddy walked in, the uncle walked in, they had on Confederate flag t-shirts. I didn't know what the fuck that meant. I got bullied by the, the, the older sister. Like literally, it's so much different. So for like, people- Had I done that at a younger age, I would have had similar experiences to that at a younger age. And that, then who knows how I would have turned out from that. It's tone deaf for people to not live in New York and not know the policies. So, so I haven't in heard anything housing, people getting In that. terms of housing, it's very limited what you can get. Um, but elaborate. it's like, okay, so people were saying, okay, that was the first one. It was like, just move. It's not as easy as you want to make it seem. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Like I said, I was in high school. I wasn't going to transfer. My mom wasn't going to do that to me at a younger age because we weren't, we, that wasn't our situation when I was younger. Right. She wasn't going to do that to me in the middle of my high school career when she didn't have a job, a stable job. She wasn't going to do that to me in my last year of high school when she did have a stable job. She wasn't going to do that to me when I finally got into a college that I went to for free and I had to stay home because it was free tuition. I was getting my refund check, which I'm pretty sure FAST was going to come to me in the future and be like, hey, you filled this wrong. You owe me $30,000. And I'm going to be like, oh, K. 
can't do that, sorry. But um, <laughs> I like, I, I got a good college $4. education for free. So I wasn't going to move then either. And I could have gone to a SUNY college, but I probably would have had to pay something. No, SUNYs would have made you pay because yeah, SUNYs, like, SUNYs are not free. CUNYs that are is free. a big privilege that I had to be able to, yeah, live in a really shitty living situation, but go to school for free. For free. And I have the privilege of having gone to school because now there's like a study that I, Hassan Naj, Patriot Act, if you watch the episode about why you should, uh, is college worth it? He says it. 90, once you go to college, if you are in poverty, if you go to college, you have a 90% chance of overcoming poverty after. And now I have that chance. So my living situation is shitty now, but it's not going to be shitty forever. And then we have on the other side, people saying, well, we have this available and this available. In the video that isn't the, um, the video where I show my living situation, I said, if it's something that I can Google, I probably already know about it. Because the reason I know any of this is because I took one urban politics class in, in college. And after that, I have not stopped studying the subject because I realized I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a problem. This is like something that like people go through. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. So it's because of policy matter that these situations happen. So I continue to study it. Um, but I do have a question for you. Um, Cause I know like we're gonna touch on the affordable housing in New York and how it's not affordable. How, how long, if you don't mind disclosing, how long have you been on that waiting list? If you've been- Okay, so I can go into that once I, once I'll go into that like right now. So I, that is, okay. So there's the affordable housing lottery, which is not low income housing. It is not low income because they put it on the average median income median income of the area and i'm like bro who so, the fuck is making seventy six thousand dollars? so that's a distinction that people didn't understand either in the videos that i was making so they were like apply to the affordable housing lottery apply to section eight or apply to public housing i've applied to public housing they said me and my mother were not priority because we're not homeless and apparently we make too much money for them combined yes. which is not the case because if you look at our income, we're still low income. Then I, a oh, section eight, you can't apply for it anymore. Right. Um, and then the affordable housing lottery. Is a whole fucking joke. I, somebody was calling it a uh, state sponsored gentrification. That's the perfect definition. Oh, wow. Oh, all of these wow. buildings in low income neighborhoods, and then they only really rent it to more affluent people because if you look at the income requirements for these apartments they range from like 50,000 and up and it's like they base it off of area median income so in New York City the area median income for 2020 they just came out with it is $102,400 for a three-person family for two people the the income is 91,000 for two people and then for one person, it would be $79,600. And that's if, you make that's if you make 100% of it. And then you're still considered to be like median income if you make up to 50,000, up oh, 50,000, 50% of that. So if you make anything less than 50% of that, then you're considered low income. So in New York City, if two people make $41,750, they're considered very low income. If they make $21,950, they're considered extremely low income. 
And then I was looking at the statistics and I was like, okay, let's see what, um, what is like 40% of the AMI. So if they make 40% of the AMI, if it's one person, they make $31,840. If it's two people, they make $36,400. And then like 30% of the AMI, which is like, that's extremely low income. Mm -hmm. If it's one person, they would be making $23,880. And then if it's two people, it's $27,300. So then you consider the fact that in New York City, there's 3 million low-income residents. There's 1.7 million, I think it's people in poverty. So you combine that and you're like, okay, so that's a good decent like half of the population um, that's living in, that's like low income. Well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, in, in New York City. Um, and then you start to question who exactly then is making 50% or more of that AMI benefits of New York City, the like the life that exists. The, the, the that life it that it affords you, like granted, we'll bitch about being, we can bitch about being low income and everything being expensive in New York City, but shit, at least we have something. To have, there, there is a lot of, there is a lot of like just recreational activities, like just things to do here for people that are low income. You can walk. compared to like another you get immersed like there's so much to do here i'm sorry i don't want to live in a fucking cornfield in the middle of I, iowa i never, never want to like i i like people think that i shit on iowa when i was like why what am i gonna do in iowa it wasn't to like be some type of way about it but like obviously there's cities everywhere but i'm not going to have like it's already what i've been saying like i'm not going to have the same experience i'm not going to have the support system that i have here even if it's not a financial support system it's just yes. the community. Yes. And yes, my living situation is uncomfortable, but I've been doing it for seven years now. I know what the opportunities I have here are. Right. I know, and I've done my research. Like, I, you're not giving me a new perspective by showing me like that, that there's other states. I'm aware that there's other states and you have a very happy life in your state. And I don't want to disrespect your state. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that New York City is one of the best cities. I mean, there's lists that, that'll say it, but then you consider the fact that we have so many low-income residents here that can't find affordable housing. And then, oh, I have to go back to the affordable housing lottery. But um, <laughs> then you you consider all of that. And then it's like, okay, yeah. And then I've seen people calling like New York City a dump. Uh, that I saw this TikTok earlier of this girl saying that transplants have the right to criticize New York City. No, you fucking don't because you decided to move here. So if you decide to move here and then bitch about everything, there's garbage. There's, listen. That's the thing. So, they'll move here. They'll move they'll here. They'll criticize it. But that's the thing. Everyone, like a lot of people want to move here. But then they're telling the people that like lived here their entire lives. If you can't afford it, just leave. Like that's the only solution we have. It's not the only solution. Or, my That's favorite. not the only solution I have. Right. Or my favorite I, is get a roommate. Technically, my mom is my roommate. First of all, I've had my fair share. No. Not and that. even then, so that the problem with that is that a lot of people will see like these videos of like a day in the life in New York City or my apartment in New York City, but they don't say like how they got it. Because if you do not make a certain amount of money and you move here, you will struggle. We're, we're not trying to gatekeep a city. Like, I, I know I'm not. I'm not trying to gatekeep the city. Like, if you want to come here, you can come here. But there are certain things that you have to take into consideration. 
true. Like, for example, if you are of higher income, and that means, let's say you make like, well, not higher income, like median upper income, right? Or like at least 55, 60. I would say even like 60, I would say 70. 70. 70? 70 is comfortable. Because yeah. for a lot of apartments, what people don't understand is that you need to make a certain amount of money. You need to make either 40 times the rent oh. or they'll set an income requirement. In my neighborhood, which is a low-income neighborhood, I found an apartment in the building that I used to live in and the income requirement was $75,000 in a low-income neighborhood. You know that nobody in that neighborhood it's is making that amount of money. So you want somebody from the outside to come, but then somebody from the outside to come comes and let's say they're a white person, then they increase value of the neighborhood. Oh, that's one thing you have to take into consideration. If you make the money, don't just go into a low-income neighborhood and displace a family that could live there. I literally had a whole- Do your research. A gentrified- Do your research. About that. And look at the neighborhoods that match your income and move there. Because if you move into a low-income neighborhood, you're just going to be- that, that's the only, that's like the one thing that people have like towards transplants. It's like, if you do your research, you'll know what will match your income. Don't just go into a low-income neighborhood because it's like economically, like uh, it's an economic investment. It's aesthetically pleasing. Don't just do that because you're displacing people. Do your research, know what neighborhoods fit you and know, like be aware of the fact that like, if you do go to these neighborhoods, you need to immerse yourself into, into the, the culture. You don't need call 311 on the fucking culture. Okay, don't do you that. Recognize, like, you need to recognize your place in the neighborhood and you need to put in your, you need to put in your part. Like if you see that your low income neighbor is like on the verge of like being evicted and you hear that people are organizing to fight evictions, join that fight. Your voice matters in that fight. So if you do have to move to a low income neighborhood because that's the only one that you can find, do that like make sure that you are being an ally that you're actually supporting putting the community yeah like you're supporting the community putting uh, support for the community. community you're not just there to judge and to change our community like that's, that's, that's the one criticism a lot of new yorkers have towards transplants right like and patronize the community shop at the mom and pop shops like build back into the community that you just contributed your little gentrification in like don't be like ignorant about it you know what I mean like if you see Buelo and Theo like playing fucking dominoes outside the building and they're blasting their mute and they're blasting uh merengue or bachata like don't call 311 for a noise complaint like you just moved into their area like Inwood the Heights even parts of the Bronx like even parts of Brooklyn like where my mom lives at um there I had a white neighbor like a whole family whole cute little family and I like looked at them and they were like super trying to figure out like how they could give back to the community how they can't like instead of like trying to gentrify it or make it like feel uncomfortable for the residents that were already there because the the thing is on TikTok especially like New York City TikTok you see very much of the transplants that are coming in with these very vocal opinions on a community yes. or like communities that they have not lived in, they have not experienced. Like yes. you don't know what it's like to grow up in these communities and watch them drastically change. Like, for example, my boyfriend's lived in the same house his whole life. So like 
him watching Williamsburg like get oh. so oh. over the years oh. as like it's hurt him and yeah. I don't blame him because yeah. it's like yo imagine your whole life you think of the community this one way you think of the part of this borough the borough this one way and then they gentrify it like people are calling Flatbush Prospect Lefferts Gardens I'm yeah. like, bro, you mean by prospect part, nigga, that's Flatbush. Like, that's Flatbush. Stop trying to gentrify it. Or, Hills is like Ridgewood or something like that. Or like calling it uh, East Williamsburg. Bro, no, it's Williamsburg. There's Bushwick. The end. Like, stop watering down the, like, what we know. It's not fair. And yes, as natives, no, we're not trying to gatekeep everything. But like, Jesus Christ, like, don't come at us for standing up for things that we believe in. Like the TikTok you sent me earlier. First of all, I'm going to take a second to read that young woman. I'm going to gather her up. As a native, yes, you fucking transplants that come here and bitch about the garbage and bitch about the rats in the subways. And call it a, call New York City a dump. And call New York City a dump. Like we live here. We will take this dump. The and we're trying thing. to change it. That's the thing that people don't understand. And we're trying, we're here to, change we're trying to change it. Shit, like, if it was up to us. When we talk about opportunities that are here for me, I'm here because I'm eventually going to be working to change all of this. Thank you. Shit, if like, it was up to me. Event, I like, it's a very, like, oh very nice, like, optimist, optimistic way of looking about things, but I'm not going to leave my people behind. I'm not. I'm just I'm going not. to see the problem and let it continue. I'm going to work to fix it. And I know, I know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to be going to law school and I'm going to be going to law school in New York city, which is why I left. I want to do the same, but I, my ADHD is like, girl. Oh, me too. Me too. I haven't posted this on my TikTok because I don't want to put this too much like out there just because I don't want the bad juju to come. So, you know, Oh no, no um, matter that. Oh, huh. No matter like, over here. I, people, I always, I always think about what the argument would be, and people would be like, "Well, you can go to law school anywhere else." Yeah, but New York City has some of the best law schools, and I know what law school I want to go to because of the environment that it facilitates. You really need a good environment in a law school to do well, because I've heard stories from people that have gone to different law schools, and the environment that they create is so competitive that you don't get to connect with other students so you're isolated you're by yourself and you're working through it by yourself here i've heard the stories of of like a real i'm not going to say my college I, i'm not going to say the school but i've heard the stories and i know that it's the one for me because of the work that i want to do i want to work on housing policy in new york city i don't want to leave and just leave it like this because i still have family here that's going to be suffering the consequences if i leave I still have people that are going to be affected. I have friends and family who are going to be affected by everything that's going on. I'm one person. I obviously can't change anything. But if I just abandon it and leave it after living it, I don't feel like that's right on my part. Like, I want to work to help my neighborhood. I want to help my people. I don't want to just up and leave because it's gotten a little bit too difficult for me. Like, I, it's hard. It is hard. It is. But I'm not, like, I've been doing it for seven years. If I couldn't deal with it, I wouldn't be here. I agree. I think for me, like people, I've always had this dream since I was eight. I've always wanted to live in financial district. Like I've always wanted to have like be close to Brooklyn, but have like that beautiful view. 
and I know I'm eventually going to live in my beautiful, ben- my beautiful, beautiful penthouse with my floor to ceiling windows and my expensive drapes and my conversation pit in my living room because we need to bring those back. Conversation pit. But like, <laughs> from like the '80s. Yes, girl. Very much, very much. If you've seen the show Mad Men, when Donald Draper. And Megan, the new wife, live in the nice ass apartment with the balcony and terrace and all that. Yeah, very much that. As much as I want that, nothing would make me happier than buying back into my community. So yes, I live in a Hasidic neighborhood and it's very uncomfortable. The ostrich is in my face every day, but I'm used to that now. But it's so sad that like pre-Crown Heights riots, Black families were all up in Crown Heights, infiltrated, like this was us. And then like Crown Heights riots hit, boom, here comes the whole community, which fine. Like, so nothing would give me more joy than to buy property within Borough Park and Crown Heights. And and I don't give a fuck how much the shit costs. Like, go ahead and run me up 10 mil. I don't care if that means I buy a brownstone that I can fit five or three or however many color uh, families of color. I'm cool with that because why is it that we can't live here? It's just like, I feel like I will have not made it until I have that penthouse, but then I also have property that will be made affordable. Cause me, if I like have this sick ass penthouse apartment that like, my fucking Hermes bags are on racks and I just have to push a button for one to come down. Why the fuck would I charge a family of color some insane amount of rent for them to just live in a safe neighborhood and provide the access- that billionaire landlords? Is- billionaire landlords charging their they, fucking- That should never have like, been a thing. Like my dad was a landlord. And wasn't one of those landlords that like, you have to wait six months for them to fix something. You used to call him and be like, yo, such and such is down, such and such is out. I used to go to the building with him and he would like, I met the tenants, all families of color, literally all families of color. And I saw what he fixed up. He, if he could fix it on the spot, he would. If he needed to bring somebody out, he would. And it would be like right away. I'm lucky enough to where my landlord now, my landlords now are like amazing fucking people. They're very much like when I signed my lease, um, they were, it's funny how I got my apartment. I got my apartment from the woman who trained me for the job that I actually just got let go from. So um, I was taking her position, but like her and I hit it off and I was like, yeah, I really want to move, blah, 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 blah. Ended up getting my apartment, but like they're the type of landlords that like, super nice they're west indian which definitely did help because there's a cultural respect there but i mean like we get it because we're one of the few black families on the block so we try to like stick together make sure like yo if there's anything in the crib that's wrong like they always are like super apologetic um i'm very transparent with them so when i got furloughed i let them know and they hit me back with a listen give us what you can because we understand then I got laid off and like the wife was sending me leads to any open jobs that like she knew of or any postings, recommending me to things. 
husband does the same thing. They're very much that's like, like a really community. Like that's that's the community. That's that the much community, which I appreciate considering like, bro, like I'm only 26. This is my first apartment. Like, well, technically it's my second, my very first apartment. I lived with roommates and this is where I get upset with New York City realtor TikTok. Not everybody wants roommates. And I feel like these realtors on TikTok, Cash Jordan, I hope to God I never run into you on the street. I sincerely hope to God I never run into you on the street because... I'm not going to say nothing. The but way I how I want to... I do hate his content so much. The way that he's always posting like the new, like the, the apartment... 75 each. Like... So each stop saying so that. tell us what the actual rent price is for the entire apartment fucking saying each each is the operative word not everybody's hearing the operative word and then they don't give like they don't give the actual like rent price what i think it's like the net payment or the whatever i i don't understand that, first that of all, i'm not moving to an apartment and that other dude that we both ironically got into a fight with first of all i'm not gonna contact you about an apartment that like if i went to go see the apartment by my goddamn self the landlord would be like, yo, that's 3,200 monthly. But you're telling me 800 each. Wait, so I have to go find three other people to live with and then hope that the three other people are people that are cool with the fact that I have a significant other. So my significant other will probably be here. There are a lot of restrictions that come There's with so much restrictions. That girl, that Madison Sutton, yep, calling you out too. The girl know. that's boosting micro studios and they're not even, oh my God. So basically the concept is a micro studio. I'm getting ready to tell you what the concept is. The concept it's in a building, right? And in the building, there's like a bunch of vacant apartments, but they're like two or three bedroom apartments and they're basically adult dorm rooms. So you have your own that's dorm but that you share a communal illegal. space, but that you share a communal space, but because the building has amenities like a gym, a yoga room, a movie theater. This sounds illegal. Then it's fine. It's- See, like how is, how does, this is why I want to work in, in housing law because why, why are people allowed to get away with something like this? And it's like $1,200. And they're like, oh, this is perfect for people who like are new to the city, are shy to make friends, blah, blah, blah. This is why I made the video I made. It's very dangerous to make it seem like New York is very livable when it's very difficult for the people that were born and raised. I keep repeating the same point. You, can't have, you cannot have men as overnight guests. See, the, point fuck the fact that you're in a whole relationship or even if you got a dick appointment, like fuck all that, right? All that got to go out the window. The point that I made before is like, okay, so you move here. If you don't, um, if you can, if you can move here and you can't afford the rent, I already made that point. Like, make sure you do your research. Make sure you know if you're going to be harming a certain community. And if you, if it's like your only option to move in to a low income neighborhood in Brooklyn, make sure that you're giving back. The second one is people are unaware of income requirements. So income requirements, like I said, 40 times the rent, or they'll set an income requirement on their own. It does not matter what you have saved up in the bank because me and my mom have a good amount of savings. And I told, I was looking for apartments the other day and I was like, we don't make that much annually, but we have this in savings so we can pay rent. Mm -hmm. The income requirement does not determine anything because it doesn't determine my ability to pay rent. Yet it's still there. 
as a block. That's why it's also been difficult for me and my mom to move because we could live in a, we could live in a regular apartment. We can afford rent. But the fact is that income requirements discriminate against low-income people because it's keeping low-income people from renting any apartment. Income requirement and credit checks are two things that I think should be outlawed. Credit I feel like especially because people don't understand that credit is not something that's easy to build, but it's easy to fuck up. That's true. I was going to say, oh, credit checks aren't that bad. But then it's like, if you either don't have a credit card, that that's discriminatory against people that can't get a credit card. And then it's... Um, it's and people are gonna be like you're using the term like uh with like just like uh throwing it out there but no it is because it's against people that don't have the ability to get a credit card because don't you need a social security to get a credit card you need a social security number to get a credit card you need an address to get a fucking credit card um not to mention credit is very easy to fuck up i didn't even know i had a 650 credit score until I got to my freshman year of college. And I didn't even know how the fuck I had that because I never opened any line of credit ever until I realized taking out student loans, boom, there you go. You want credit? You got that. But then it's very easy to screw up your credit because people don't understand not paying their student loans fucks up your credit. Collections fucks up your credit, which then also turns into, say you had an hospital bill and that shit went to collections, fucks up your credit. I feel yeah, like- there's a lot of factors that go into- There's a lot of things that will screw up your credit. And so if you only have one credit card, even that fucks up your credit score. Boom, there you go. So that, yeah, it's not, it's not telling of a person's ability. It's not telling of a person's ability to pay rent. It's All not, it is, is keeping low-income people from getting apartments that they may be able to afford rent for. Because me and my mom can pay rent, but it's literally just that block. And it came in recently and it's, it, I feel like it's a product of gentrification because the second the neighborhoods started undergoing gentrification, it was like income requirement, income requirement, because they want people who make that amount of money to move in because they can afford higher rent prices. Mm -hmm. So the landlord never has to worry about, oh, I want to raise the rent, let's say 10, uh, they get $10. They'll never just rent it, uh, raise it by $10. Yep. Um, I want to raise it by $100. Um, obviously, you can't just spring that up to people that are low income. So they want people that they have that security with but you can have that with a low-income person who can just afford rent and maybe don't depend on people that you're renting to to like satisfy your livelihood. That that's not your only source of income. It shouldn't be your only source of income. It shouldn't be. And I um that goes so that's that's something that people aren't made aware of. Like, oh yeah, New York City looks really nice in New York City TikTok, but when you move here, I made that video because if you move here, you need to be made aware of the fact that there are communities here who can't live here because they're so like it's or, or who do live here and live in situations like mine or even worse. Sunset Park. Like here for article. He, yeah. Oh yeah. I wrote an article about that's like uh, about gentrification and I wrote an but article. I, about, that, uh, I promise, I promise, I promise. It's a very fucking great, it's a great read. It's a great read. I didn't even I literally read it and was like the first time I went to Industry City. I went to go meet with my publicist and my PR team. It's a very drastic change going from like Fourth Avenue oh my God. down the block to Industry City. You pass by the area, completely different. I met with my publicist and team in their new space inside Industry City, and I was like, and it's like people crazy. people were arguing against uh, the rezoning in in Sunset Park, and we won. Like that was a grassroots effort. That was like people, like the community was organizing with each other and they stopped it. And 
as people, they should. That, that, I'm saying that because before I said like, I want to help my community, it may seem like a very optimistic view, but not, it's not, it's realistic. I can help my community because look, my community helped my community. Like people came together and they stopped, they stopped billionaires from rezoning our waterfront. And if you have an argument against why the waterfront, why the industry city should have been allowed to rezone the waterfront, Read the article because I can tell I can I, like it tells you why the low income residents in the neighborhood did not want it. It just exacerbates the effects of gentrification in the neighborhood. It's already bad. People are already being displaced. That would have just caused further displacement. And um, I want to go back to the um, okay that so income requirements and then um, if you move here, just make sure you know what you're doing. Brokers fees. That is a whole other devil. And you don't really see that in other states. I did my research on that. And apparently, I think New York is like one of two states that do it because a lot of states yeah. have done it a little bit. Yeah, we need to make it to that. New York, you need to have three, three, rent payment, three rent payments. Security deposits, which, so first and last month, like, I don't think they're, are they allowed to do first and last month or no? Because so, it's, so it's first month's rent, security deposit. And, and then and the broker fee. You're paying for the landlord's real estate agent, basically. That's what it is. Right. And you didn't look for that real estate person. That was a landlord. So they should be paying for it, right? No, you pay for it. And New York City is only one of the few states that do it. We need to make sure that that can't happen anymore. There's a court case going on that keeps getting postponed. And it's basically supposed to, it's like supposed to put an end to that, but it keeps being postponed. They made the final decision and then they- so outlaw outlawing broker's fees, correct? Huh? The yes, one that, yeah, yeah, no, we need to hurry up. But then real estate agents were like, hey, no. And they like fought against it. And right now it's being, it's like, be, it keeps being postponed. So they haven't made a final decision on it. It would be an amazing thing, but we would also have to make sure that landlords can't work that money into the rent. Cause I've, I've read something that was like in another state, what landlords will do is that instead of like making you pay like the broker's fee in full in that moment, you would need to like pay it throughout, like throughout your like your time rent. renting that apartment. So it, it's, it works its way into your rent. Um, I wanna go back to the income requirements real quick. Go for it. You can get a guarantor. That's how a lot of transplants find, yeah, like actually course, move. Right? Because, because they get guarantors because their parents actually do make that amount of money that is required for the apartment. Um, if you don't have anybody that can be a guarantor, there are online services. I personally don't sign up for them because my mother is a Latina woman and she does not trust it. And honestly, I wanted to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Huh? I wanted to try it once, but then I was like, you have to pay them like the the. This is, this is a so on top of broker's fee, first month and security deposit. You would also have to pay the person that is going to sign on as your as your guarantor, like on an online service. You would also have to pay like either half of the rent price or the rent price for a lot of these services. So it's if you have a guarantor, cool, whatever. Um, I guess this is a move for you. But if you don't have a guarantor and you just come here, like I'm saying, like you have a lot of blocks that make it very difficult for you to get an apartment here. Disgusting. If you are not like middle or upper income. Um, and all I ask is if you are middle or upper income, be aware, like just be socially aware, be like aware of your environment, be aware of what you are putting into the environment be aware of the changes that you bring to the environment. Like, it's just as simple as that. Um, Please, then, the floor is yours. Like, I'm, I'm disgusted that, cause I looked into getting a guarantor and I was like, what the fuck comes with this? And then I was just like- It's, 
It's the stupidest thing ever what? because I can get a random person to sign on as my guarantor, especially if it's somebody from like an online website. They like, it's, it's literally, okay. So it's like an agreement that if you don't pay your rent, like it fall, like the responsibility falls on them. So like it messes up their credit score um, or like it messes up, like, I think it is their credit score. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm right, if I'm not correct me. Um, but then like that responsibility falls on them. But if it's some random stranger on their internet, like then it's literally just a signature. It has nothing over you. It's still not a determination of if you can pay rent or not. Literally. So it's just like, there's so many things in place that keep people that are low income from getting an apartment and they shouldn't have to be like, it shouldn't have to be made so difficult for people. And then back to the affordable housing lottery. You had asked me my wait time and I sent 64 applications. The second that they made like the first building, I remember when they were making, cause my mom got really excited. It was in Atlantic. When they made that first building, they and passed they, the television. Like by yeah. Yeah. where the Whole Foods is? Um, no, no, no. Well, that one is, that one was like the second one that they built. It's because a little I, bit, it's like in front of the mall. In front of like by Barclays. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that building by that the Whole Foods? One. Yeah, fuck them, okay? Kindly got denied. No. Oh, they denied 64 applications from me. So um, I've applied 64 times. I've actually applied more than that because they made like the new website, which is somehow even more inaccessible. When I talk about the affordable housing lottery, I never want to talk about affordability because people will be like, well, it's not meant to be like affordable, low income, whatever. Okay. Okay, fine. I'm not talking about affordability. I'm talking about accessibility. It's not accessible to low-income people. It's accessible to people who can already pay and get a normal apartment here in New York City. So how to act that people are benefiting. People like to bring up Mitchell Lama, which is a whole so Mitchell Lama is in conjunction with the housing lottery. Basically, you write to the management company you fill out that whole long ass app you send them a letter for them to send you the application for you to send that back to them and with with hopes that once there's a vacancy in the apartment because mitchell llama is technically your last resort because at this point they filled all the apartments now this is just like say somebody can't afford it or they move or whatever then they give the first available apartment to whomever what may have you. So like Mitchell Lama is a whole nother beast within itself because you're still writing to these management companies that are making these lotteries so unaffordable and inaccessible, inaccessible yeah. to the lower income resident. I literally only know of two people that have been able to get housing from the housing lottery. One of them, she got um, an apartment in the city and one of them, she got an apartment off of J Street, but like the process changing. It's it's gone a long way from what I used. I remember my mom used to have to take me to like I don't know we were going to Tillery for oh I think to go like to the food stand place or something, but it's it's changed. It's literally just high rise apartments now. So much J Street does not look anything like how it used to. Even that whole downtown area, because like for one semester I went to St. Francis. So that whole area downtown is just decal. Remsen. I we could just keep this this could literally just turn into us like, <laughs> make, literally make and, and doing that. Like, okay, sure. This all is the product of transportation. 
but then people want us to just like let it happen and like just go somewhere else and then new york but new york city is not like a city just for rich people it shouldn't have to be and it isn't like this was built on the backs of the low-income residents you're telling to leave this was built on our backs remember the crime our parents used to have to deal with people getting their car windows bust open the gunshots every night like yo our parents, our parents, fixed, that. Oh, our parents fixed it our parents built it like this was built on our backs this is our this is our place we're not gatekeeping it we're not saying don't come here but like at least recognize that you shouldn't just be telling us like oh you can't afford it go no we're gonna make it bro we're i was here when very soft. it was like if if you're low income and like like if I'm okay, I'm low income. I go somewhere that's like I go to somewhere in the Midwest right now. If I get a job, I'm going to be making less than I would make here. Mm -hmm. And then technically, I'm still going to be in the same position that I'm in now, because I'm never going to make like as much money to like, how, what am I trying to say? I can go I can make the $7 an hour. And I'm still going to be at the same like level as I am now damned if you do damned if you don't type of situation but because it, it's like I'm going to go I'm going to make less money working at some like at the same job that I can do here um and then in the end because it's less money I'll, it'll never be able to add up to like what I need to be considered like middle or upper income like I don't understand why that's confusing <laughs> and I can make this argument so many times but at this point, I'm going to stop arguing with people that keep telling me to move because I've tried to explain myself so many different ways and I don't, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it's not a new perspective. I've considered it. Like I've considered it many times, but there was never a time for us to go to another state. There's not, we're not going to have like a good experience in another state. And it's not because, oh, New York City is so great. It's not, be, it's not because of that. It's not because of that mindset. I don't have that mindset. Mm -hmm. It's because I know what would be there for me because I've been told, because I know what I have here, and because I know what the differences will be. Mm -hmm. It's it's just that, it's like, that's that's it for me. And it's it's never about like, this and like people think, like I, the argument that I got into and something that I said in the beginning is like, people think it's because I'm entitled or because I don't wanna see past like New York City and that New York City is a dump, so why am I here? It's, oh my God, sorry. I just saw the shadow of like somebody across the street and it scared the shit out of me. I was like, who oh, the hell is- sorry, I be thinking that uh, somebody be in my crib and I'm like, bro, there's- no um, <laughs> Well, like in the end, it's not about any of that. Like, yeah. it's just that I know, I know how, what got us to that situation. I know why it's been difficult to leave and I know what I'm working towards next. And I know why I can't do that somewhere else. So- it's it's just it's simple it's as simple as that like i'm not trying to be like oh well new york city is the only city for me no because i'm gonna get out of here eventually i'm gonna go to a bit better city because this right. city isn't really equipped but that's after i actually do the work in making sure that this is not the situation for people that come along down the road exactly like i want to be able to leave my city better than what i left it at than what i met it as so and there's a, and i'm see i brought up my article because like <clears throat> industry city the rezoning proposal didn't go through and that was because people put in the effort like it can happen so saying like oh you're just from a person you can't do that i'm not the only person fighting for change in housing policy right i'm going to be joining the fight and that's one more voice to change things so i can be a little bit hopeful in that annie you have been 
completely amazing. I am, you like literally fucking blew me out of the water even before like I even asked you to be on the show. Like I was just so enticed and so fascinated. And I think your story is absolutely amazing. I thank you for even being here with me today to share your story. I love um, sharing. So this was great. You literally inspired me because I was just like, I read your article and I was like, okay, so how can I do this in my area, in the areas that I grew up in, in the areas that I used to live in? I think it's so admirable that you want to be such a force and such a change. And I think that we need more people like you in New York City that want to make housing affordable to natives. I think the transplants just have a really shitty lack of understanding that this is for us, this is what we know. Like for some people, you know, this is this is all they know. This it's, is it's all we know and then it's all we really have. It's all we really have. That's it. It's all we really have. Literally. Do you have anything to say to the people before you go in it? Um, if you want to discuss anything further with me, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I always say like, if you watch my TikToks, you need to watch all of them to understand where I'm coming from, but I'm always willing to discuss certain things. I'm always, I'm, I'm an open-minded person, despite people not thinking so. So if you want to discuss anything further with me, if there's something that I did not get into because my ADHD brain did not allow me to, (laughs) you can reach out and ask me. I'm always happy to talk about this subject. I will be linking Annie's amazing ass article, which I think every New Yorker, especially if you're a native, I definitely think you should be reading it. Um, Very insightful. I will also be linking Annie's TikTok and her Instagram. I love you people. I will see you next time. And my next guest, that made me feel fancy like David Letterman. And my next guest is also a TikToker, but she's also big on fucking YouTube and she's dope. So um, I'm Nikita. I love you guys. Thank you for always being here at Mood AF. Um, And I'll see you next time. Thank you very much to Annie, ladies and gentlemen, because Annie was dope.